Welcome to Words Matter, a series of informal conversations with people sharing words that matter to them. Whether it's quotes, poems, lyrics or film clips, words have the power to inspire us, provoke new thoughts and even change the way we live our lives. I'm your host, Kevin Watson, and I've been interested in how words engage, ignite and direct our imagination, not only as a coach for the past 17 years, but for as long as I can remember. In each episode, my guests will share words that matter to them, where they've come from and why they play such an important part in their life. First up in today's episode, it's Peter Freeth. What have you got for us, Peter? From Willy Wonka in the original Gene Wilder film. And he says, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. And that's my number one favourite quote of all time. Cool, I love that. And that is a great film as well. I love that film. There's so many things come out for me in that film. And yeah, why is why has that quote got such a significance for you? Uh, I think it's about creating our... Well, for me, it's about creating our our reality create yeah creating our reality creating our you know nobody else can dream our dreams for us nobody else can tell us what we should aspire to or what we should become and and i think when you read the quote written down a lot of people interpret it in a very sort of soft fluffy way we're music makers we're dreamers of dreams very nice but that's not how it is in the film um so in the film they're in the corridor with the lickable wallpaper and Veruca Salt is with him and he says, oh, yeah, try the wallpaper. You can, you know, the strawberries taste like strawberries and the snozberries taste like snozberries. And Veruca Salt says, snozberries, there's no such thing as snozberries. <laughs> he turns it up right in the eye and he says it with a kind of mixture of kind of whimsy, but also there's a, there's a very hard edge to it. There's a very, not exactly vindictive, but there's a very, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of energy in, in the emphasis. And he says, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. So the emphasis is on the we, as in, you know, it's up to us. We make the music. We decide, you know, what the soundtrack to our lives is going to be and what 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 dreams we're going to have. Nobody nobody can tell us that or, or, or force that on us, I suppose. There's such a, a kind of almost a vitriol in, in the way that he said He almost says it to her as an insult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As in, you know, if we want to dream up snozberries, we'll dream up snozberries and we will imagine what they taste like. And that's, yeah, you know, that, that's, a, that's our gift or, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I love that. And a bit of menace behind it as well, I think, when he says it. Is it? <clears throat> and it's a really, really interesting moment, I think, in the film. And, and a, a sense that, you know, this connects to some of the things we've talked about earlier is the creationist piece, you know, the, the belief of creating rather than just consuming. Uh, getting to understand what others are doing and and matching that and going beyond that in in creation, would yeah, that be def- fair? Yeah, oh, definitely. Because if, you know, if if you discover one day that somebody has invented snozberries, and then you know, for some people that will inspire them to think, well, you know, if this guy can invent a snozberry, what can I invent? What can I create? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind um, of anything's possible thing as well, isn't it? I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I, and I find sometimes that, that sort of ev- everything's possible angle is, uh, as I say, a little bit sort of soft and fluffy. It's, it's, you wouldn't say that if you believe that everything is possible, you wouldn't say that everything is possible because you wouldn't have yeah, to. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. <laughs> I like um, that. 
you know, I don't go around and say, look at me, I've only got one head. It's obvious. And so yeah. if, if I believe that everything is possible or anything is possible, I wouldn't say it because I wouldn't need to. It would be obvious. It would be intrinsic in the way that I live my life. And, and I yeah. think that's what's embodied in the, as you put it, the menace in the, in the quote. And there's a lot of darkness in that film. Yeah, yeah. Hell of a lot. Thanks, Peter. Next up, we have Neelam Sharma and a great conversation about choice. Hi, Neelam. Who's your quote from? Janet Jackson. Oh. Youngest sister of Michael. So I have a key ring of, uh, can you see it? Yeah, so yeah. So it's Control, her, her album Control. Yeah, yeah. Which I also have on vinyl, if you want the actual original vinyl. <laughs> but um, that was one of the first records that I bought. And not only that, it was probably the first music I ever remember connecting with that makes sense yeah. so not only did I love the music and her kind of rhythm and the vibe and everything that went with it and the fact that she was a woman and um in my mind was better than her brother who everyone you know everyone was running after Michael and I was like actually no this this is the music um that, that means something there was something in her lyrics and particularly in that, in that album and that song that just got me so she she's really I find her really clever because whenever she um releases an album she almost has this intro bit at the beginning which kind of sets the scene for the theme of her album so this one she starts with so she goes this is a story about control my control control of what I say control of what I do and this time I'm going to do it my way I hope you enjoy this as much as I do are we ready I am because it's all about control and I've got lots of it and then it goes, then there's this drum and then, then it goes into the actual song. Cool. And I was just, I was just taken by, like I can recite, I can recite the words, but it was just a thing that I could just say and say and say again. Loved it. And what, and what is it about those words? And what do those words mean to you? So for me, I think that there was something really powerful about the word control because up until that point, um, so I would have been in my late teens probably, I... And, and actually the next, the next bit goes into the song when she says, when I was 17, I did what people told me. And that's how I felt up until that point, that I'd always done what people had told me to do. Yet here was this woman coming out saying, mm. she, and she had the sass to go with it. No, I'm taking control now. So this is how it's going to be. And, and that's, I think that's what spoke to me that, okay, you've been through that experience where you've done what people have told you, but you've emerged. So maybe I can. Cool. And and did it shift you in that sense? Did it? Because control for some people could be control, whereas I'm hearing control is freedom. Yes. Control is your choice. Absolutely. Not other people's choice. You know, you're, yeah, in, you're in control of your destiny almost. Yes, completely. Okay. Actually, you're, you're right. There's a, there, there's a difference in those words. So for me, it was totally, it was freedom. It was yeah. choice. And I think that was, that was the thing that, you know, I felt that I this boxed in path that I had to go down. Yet here I was hearing a voice that was like, ah, you know, and then she says actually by going to the song, you know, when I was 17, I, I did what people told me, did what my father said and let my mother mold me. But that was long ago. And, and it was like, yeah, that's um, that. And it is, it's for, yeah, for me, the, the interpretation for me and from the lyrics of the song was freedom and choice. And that, I can take control and make those choices. 
and, and did that, you? Did I? There's yeah. a million dollar question. I it wasn't it wasn't like a big bang moment that I yeah. suddenly thought, right, that's it. <laughs> I'm in control. Yeah. But it just I think it's one of those things, isn't it? The seed was planted and then it just made it just opened up that door that said, actually, you have a choice in this. You're being told to take this route, but actually you could take this route instead, you know, and that's your choice to make. So I think it opened my mind up to possibility, which that was incredibly powerful. Cool. And, and like I say, it's, it's like one thing being told you can have freedom, but the other one is then just the notion of having choice, I think, finds the big shift, not yes. necessarily taking that choice. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, the, the notion that I have choice is quite yeah. often, I find, quite foreign to many people. Yeah. And, and, and I think it was for me growing up. It was, you know, um, whilst I was born and brought up in, um, in Great Britain, uh, my parents are first generation immigrants so they'd come in what the 60s and so there was almost that ethos that you know you've got to work hard you've got to prove yourself so you know you go to school you go to university you get a degree you get a job you get married the end <laughs> it was like you know you just follow this path and the notion of within these within this path of being yourself and having fun and you know that you would have a choice in in how that path plays out was very alien to me, very yeah. alien. I can only talk from my own experience. I put it down to that, but yeah, as yeah. you say, that could be anybody's experience. Yeah, so. right. even when I, th when I think about myself, I, I would never say that about my parents, by the way. And my parents were very much uh, do what you want to do and we'll be happy yeah. whatever you do. It was really lovely. And I found it's, it's not the norm that I come across, but even I would say it was shaped by what I think other people view of life was rather than just my own up until yes. comparatively recently so my life has been played out as maybe normally people would live their life out you know you go to school you go to higher education you go to work you have a family you live in a nice house you, whatever, yes. whatever the norms are of society they weren't necessarily my choice my conscious choice and mm. so opening up that well, i can choose to do that or not choose to do that is quite eye-opening even for someone that wasn't, or I wouldn't consider I, I didn't have a choice from my parents. It, it was just yeah. unwritten, it, unconscious. I think it, it, choice is an interesting thing, isn't it? Because if you spoke to my parents, they'd probably say to you, no, she had all the choices in the world. What's yeah. she talking about? You know, yeah. maybe a lot of parents, probably my children would say the same about me, you know. Um, but it, it was my perception, I guess, at the time growing up that I yeah. felt a bit, you know, restricted, if you like, and that, that, you know, here was another woman just saying, you've got choice. Yeah. You can take control and you've got choice. Yeah. You know? And as I say, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to my parents because I yeah. am who I am because of them. So it's not yeah. to take anything from them. But for me, there was just something within that song that just kind of woke something up inside of me that, yeah. that I hadn't even realised, you know, was, was there. And would you say that's a value of yours? I think knowing that you have... Well, knowing that I have choice is very powerful to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. If I'm just told to do something, or I have to do something. My instinct in the past, when I was younger, would be very much to just rebel against that or dig my heels in and not do it because I've been told to do it. Whereas if somebody just gave me, well, Needham, you've got a choice. You can do this or you can do this. I probably would do the thing that they wanted me to do. 
but it was I needed to know. <laughs> Maybe a lot of teenagers and twenty somethings are like that. But I needed to know. So I, I, is that a value for me? I, there is something around that because I, I still I still have a a reaction if someone tells me to do something. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's why I'm laughing. Not because I was like that was a teenager, which I was. Yeah. I'm like it now. Yeah. <laughs> Probably even more so. Probably even more so now. I, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't like to, even if it's the best advice in the world, I won't follow it. No, well, that's the thing, isn't it? And it's, it's, it's crazy because you think, well, yeah. you know, it's usually that that's coming from a good place in somebody, isn't it? Mm. So why is my gut reaction to just go no, purely because yeah. you've told me? Yeah, so cho- yeah, choice is, a, is, is definitely up there. Thank you, Neelam. Next up, Felicity Healy Benson. Hi, Felicity. Who's your quote from? First quote um, um, comes from um, uh, uh, quite a well-known gentleman called Albert Einstein. (laughs) Um, And I do quote him with ease. And he does say, he who can no longer pause to wonder and stand wrapped in awe is as good as dead. His eyes are closed. And um, mm. I, I, I found this, um, actually, I, I was in my teens. It's just something I just thought was like a real cool statement. Um, and, uh, but in you, in, in, so I was like, and, and maybe a message to just take joy in the present. But as I've grown older, uh, hopefully wiser, uh, mature, I kind of really sort of embraced it as it being um, this kind of amazing invitation for wonder, and that's wonder with a no, not an A, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally my favourite word, word, uh, word in the whole world. It's, it's like a noun, it's a verb, it's an emotion, um, it's stacked with like curiosity, uh, imagination, a sense of awe. Although I do use the word um, uh, curiosity a little bit more carefully these days, because I've realised that... Um, curiosity can bring out the wrong type of wonder um okay. you know like the stuff that killed the cat yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> okay so um I, I i now so i now sort of like because i'm more into sort of reading around philosophers because of my my doctorate and uh, my i've already had a long-term sort of level of philosopher thinking um i kind of takes it back to you know the underpinning of thinking and and the greek philosophers such as like plato and aristotle and, you know, we can't list, literally exist as human beings without this concept of, of wonder. But I think we, we often, and I, and I say we as a, as a society, we can misinterpret it as being about amassing knowledge and, and the next best thing, etc. So I'm thinking of it more broadly being about just wonder at the, this, like, the sun gets up in the morning and, you know, my being here. Um, and, and it's also invited me to um to sort of like move away i do respect science and objective of research but i i really want to tap into lived experiences of others so it's about having this openness and vulnerability and being able to sort of go experience points of um of discomfort so you have to review yourself continually check your attitude um your theoretical stance and 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 it's and the reason it's kind of like become quite my go-to's at least in the last ten years I would say or at least my eldest now is seven. I I'm so amazed about this wonder that young children bring into the world, 
and it's it's amazing because they, they they're not world weary and and they they see the things that we take for granted on a daily basis and i just love the the their bewildering enigmatic approach uh, their attitude their wonderment their experience of like oh my god the grass is green you know and the sun is blue and so the sun is yet yeah, is yellow and the sky is blue why are these things happening and you know and so i, I guess that's why that co- that sort of quote um it's almost kind of re- reminds me to pull back from the busyness and the chaos of the world and center myself. So yeah. that's kind of why that love- sort of um, helped me. And wonderment has kind of been my go-to. Yeah, I love that. And I, I, a couple of things were coming to me. One, that as you were talking about that, it seemed that it, the meaning of that quote shifted over time as into this time from a, a kind of being present to this this wonderment, this being in wonder of of the world and, and such like and I wondered whether it you mentioned yourself the, the birth of your seven-year-old was that the moment that we might have shifted more into the wonderment or was there something else that was around for you that took it from presence to wonder um I think it's actually been in the presence of, of young children yeah. so I would say um even just you know the wonderment of having this this being presented into your arms you know you've read about it you've seen other people do it you've been a child yourself i just i just going on that incredible journey with um three children i had three in the space of four years and to be completely you know bundled up into those kind of like curiousness and continual level of questioning and awe and i kind of you can't help but be kind of that way it does wear off wear on you doesn't it yeah yeah, yeah, where you go with all the questions but i would say i think it's that kind of um that that kind of um those early years of that child rearing has really kind of reinforced that thinking yeah you start to see the world i know from a parent from my own perspective from being a parent that you start to see the world through their eyes again as you did when you were that age when you were growing through that age the kind of early years and particularly the two three four five times six even seven that you see the world through their eyes because of their excitement and their wonderment isn't it it's, it's a rather lovely place to be right yeah and i and i've taken that and it's i mean at the same time of my, of my last child i started my doctoral journey and i had to find like a research inquiry or approach that i would take to actually find my truth new truth in the world that i can add some sort of layer of new new knowledge to the world and it was just that i I could not find anything but phenomenology that would allow me to maintain that level of wonderment um, to embrace the world. But interestingly, it's not particularly favoured because of its kind of the fact that it does rely on human wonderment and, 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 and getting closer to the lived experience. And it's not necessarily um, uh, easy to sort of quantify or authenticate but for me, I feel even more empowered that that's the right thing to do, at least for me, and to provide some sort of window in terms of, I don't know, pedagogical development. I see we're humans, we educate humans. Why not? You know, we need to see it through a human subjectivity, really, to add any value. So, um, so yeah, so I've actually taken it at the same time then to underpin my phenomenological thinking and attitude, which underpins my parent day thinking and, and, and doctoral research. Cool. It reminded me of, a, a, I don't know whether it's a saying 
that's attributed to someone. But when, when I heard someone once say the difference between Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy in general, the Western philosophy will see a bird in the back garden and, and say, is that a blackbird or a thrush? And the Eastern philosophy, it will just go, it's a bird in the garden, isn't it wonderful? And, and that kind of enjoyment of just what it is rather than trying to pin it down and, and label it in some way. I thought it was rather a nice thing. That's it for today. Thanks to all my guests and thank you for listening. I hope that some of these words will have inspired you and I look forward to bringing you more next time on Words Matter. <laughs>